Welcome to the Nubis Podcast. The Nubis is a network for nerds that publishes headline news about technology, entertainment, gaming, and other nerdy topics. Interviews, reviews, editorials, fan fiction, and more. I'm your host for this week, Eric, staff writer for Nubis, and I'm joined this week by fellow staff writer Andrea. Introduce yourself, Andrea, or just say hi. Well, I guess she's meeting right now. It's fine. Um, and uh, Tobias is also a fellow staff writer. This is his first time participating. Say hi, Tobias. Hello. And our guest, uh, Gary Mitchell, whom uh, is a good friend of mine from way back in the day. Uh, introduce, introduce yourself, Gary. Hey, guys. Gary here. What's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, I think we've got a pretty good panel here. Uh, sorry that it's been a while. It's been like four weeks maybe for, since, uh, since the last time we've recorded this. A lot has been happening. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to get back into it. We have a lot of topics covered today. Um, our first topic will be on Captain America Civil War, Batman v Superman, Donald Justice. Kind of just discussing uh, how we feel about those two films in comparison to one another and what each film did right and did wrong. Um, next topic will be on just the X-Men Fox films in general, just uh, what, what, what do we see the future franchise going and how we feel about uh, the most kind of more recent entries, Deadpool and X-Men Apocalypse. Um, and next we'll be covering Game of Thrones. Uh, I believe, yeah, we're on season six right now. I kind of what we thought, think of this current season, its predictions and kind of what complaints we have. And then for the final topic, we'll be covering, uh, Game to, video game to film adaptations, usually, and we just want to talk about um, kind of why is there sort of long history of this kind of failing in um, what can what lessons can be learned and how we feel about upcoming game films. So yeah, let's just get into the first topic. Um, Captain America: Civil War and Batman v Superman are pretty much the uh, well, this year in general has really been the big year of kind of you know blockbuster comic book. Just going head to head with one another. Big ones from Marvel and DC being Civil War and Dawn of Justice. So, how do we feel about these two films compared to one another, and what we, do we feel was better? I'll go ahead and start. Um, I did see, I did see both. Um, I've seen both, well, both films at least twice at this point. So, I, um, I, mean, I think for most people would would agree that Civil War overall is just a uh, superior film, just in how it's made and its general writing and direction. Um, I think Batman v Superman had had a lot of potential, and it had a great, uh, for the most part, a great cast. And um, yeah, it just there's no reason why either film uh, should have should have done bad. But you know, you know, reality being it is, you know, things change and things happen. So I feel like the they both well actually what's 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 really kind of funny about it these two films is that besides the fact that it's about two superheroes fighting each other. It's the themes they tackle are almost identical, and some of the scenes and uh, and how they're filmed are almost identical. You have two superheroes who are iconic going to each other, uh, warring ideologies, superhero kind of accountability, and what that means to the rest of the world, their impact, their actions, the consequence of being a hero, and then the use of a, a hero's like kind of their their past, a family connection as a sort of like. Uh, climatic plot device. There's a lot of things in this movie that are, these two movies are very similar. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what did you guys think? So, funny story. I actually was here and just forgot to unmute myself, so that's why you couldn't hear me. Um, but it's actually really interesting that you bring up that 
they're so similar because one thing, and you know this, I, I started watching the whole Batman v Superman and I just couldn't get through it because I thought it was so horrible. Um, so I didn't really get more than about a quarter of the way through the movie. But as far as Civil War is concerned, I thought that was very well done. And it tackled the idea in a way that was... I mean, it was also interesting because their villain wasn't the typical I'm trying to destroy the planet sort of villain. Um, it was just there to showcase kind of the limitations of what superheroes would actually mean politically and as a force that we would use. So I thought that was well done. Um, I've got to agree completely with uh, both of you. I do have to say off the top, though, that I did not hate Batman v Superman. Uh, I, I had a lot of people... Uh, I, I posted a review of that movie on my YouTube channel, and after that I got into several, uh, shall we say, heated conversations with fans <laughs> of Batman v Superman. I, I did not hate Batman v Superman, um, but I do feel like it was disappointing for what for what it could have been and really for what it should have been. I, You know, people like me have been waiting our entire lives to watch a movie where Batman and Superman meet for the first time and fight for the first time and team up. And I shouldn't be bored watching a movie like that. You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be scratching my head going, wait, what, why, why are they doing that? What's happening? Like it, it just, it just really, that movie tried hard. And I was, it was definitely like a pretty film to watch in terms of the cinematography and the special effects. But I feel like, uh, what you said a minute ago, Eric, um, Captain America civil war pretty much succeeded at everything that Batman v Superman tried to do. And the biggest, we, we could nitpick those different things, but I feel like the biggest thing that Captain America did well is that it, it took its time and established a coherent story so that you really understood why these two characters were fighting. They, they established the argument and the sort of, um, not theological, the, the philosophical um, the philosophical conflict that uh, was happening between those two characters, they fleshed it out so well that by the time they actually started hitting each other, you really understood why they were fighting and you cared about why they were fighting and it was vesting and engaging. Where Batman v Superman, like by the time they started fighting, you were just like, what, like why, what, what am I even watching right now? So that's my biggest thing. I, I didn't hate Batman v Superman, but yeah, you're right. Uh, Captain America was definitely the better film by far, and I wish that that I, I hope that Warner Brothers takes some notes about what these movies should be like and make some improvements in their lineup in the future. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, really good points. I, I agree completely. Um, hey, Tobias, any, any any of your thoughts? Uh, well, I kind of agree with you all on uh, uh, both Civil War and uh, Batman v Superman. I I kind of liked Batman v Superman, actually, and hated it at the same time. <laughs> um, <laughs> the problem for me, I think, was that uh, the editing was completely messed up. It, it uh, hurt my brain to watch it. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I wrote a I, I was supposed to post my review for Batman v Superman like like months ago, but 
because uh, what ended up happening was my review, my review was like eight pages long, and I had to cut it down. And I'm actually in the process of cutting it down. I posted it on my blog recently, actually. But I, I noted the the editing and pacing, like like you just said. Like there were there are moments where um, it's like, okay. Here's a here's like a, like a really really brief scene between uh, like Superman or Clark and Lois, and then all of a sudden it cuts to like uh, Bruce Wayne's like random dream sequences. And I'm just like, what? What is he dreaming about here? Like, I I understand like the some of the comic book lore. Uh, you can see some hints of Dark Side and Apocalypse and etc. But it just it's so out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden it cuts to like Batman Mad meets Mad Max and he's like beating a bunch of dudes up in the desert and then he wakes up and then all of a sudden he wakes up and it's another dream of like the Flash coming back in time. Yeah, that like, was so fucking hole. strange. Like what? It's like like oh. Look. Fine, Lois Lane. I'm like, what? What is this, man? Like, I, I've never That's seen a, a dream within a dream within. Yeah. A dream. It's like, yeah. really, guys, really. I was like, I, I understand that you guys are trying to make a you know a shared universe or whatever, but you can't cram it all into one film. Like, there is. I know you want to capture the Marvel, but there's there's no reason why you should have to rush. You have a you have a an amazing universe to explore, and you should be taking your time with it. And I shouldn't like. I shouldn't have to sit here and like just kind of like, like like Gary just said, you know, like well, I shouldn't have to sit here and ask why it's happening. Like I should, I should be able to sit here and just enjoy it. I think the worst part, the worst universe building part of the movie was the the Wonder Woman email scene when Bruce sends her the email of uh, from Lex from the LexCorp stuff, and you you watch three literal teaser trailers of upcoming movies. It's like, oh, here's Aquaman. Oh, here's Cyborg. Here's the Flash. I'm just like. What, why? Like in the worst part, like you said, the, the editing and the pacing divide was the worst part. Was that scene was inserted literally right right before Batman and Superman were about to fight. Like they're building up the momentum to the climax of them fighting. You see uh, Batman preparing his weapons. You see Superman, you know, just just gotten done confronting Lex Luthor, and all of a sudden she gets this email, and you got to watch like like about about like you know fifteen minutes or so of just stupid teaser trailer stuff. And I was like, I don't understand what people were thinking when it came to this. And you guys probably saw there's the Ultimate Edition coming out, right? Yeah, I'm not hugely enthused about that. I'll still probably take a look at it. But I, I, I will be astonished if any of the things that they cut out of that movie could save, like, the things that are wrong. To me, the things that are – the thing that's wrong with that movie is not necessarily the stuff that's missing from it, but just, like, even – what is there is not, I mean, I just like, like Tobias said, it's the movie's kind of all over the place and it really, it's like they couldn't decide what they wanted that movie to be uh, because they were trying so hard to catch up with what Marvel is doing. I call it, I call it Marvel envy. This is how I describe um, comic book movies and things that are trying to instantly recreate the success that Marvel studios has built over like 10 years or whatever. movies. It's like they're, they're trying to, to throw in all this stuff to establish this enormous world and you just can't go from zero to justice league. Like it takes time to establish that. I actually, I slightly agree with you in that I didn't really mind so much how they, that little video snippet where they kind of gave you a, a, a glimpse of each of those characters. I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting the way that they did it. Cause I was really nervous about, you know, when, when we started hearing, oh, uh, Flash has a cameo or, oh, Cyborg has a cameo in this movie, I got super nervous. I was like, please don't try to shoehorn in 
you know, these these characters. So the fact that the characters themselves weren't actually there and it was just sort of a little like, here's a quick clip of who these people are. I didn't mind that so much. I think you're right about the the placement of where that scene was in the movie was a little bit questionable. Um, but really, like I said, the, the ultimate addition of whatever that they're releasing, I would be very surprised if there's anything in that that can save that movie from... It's like if the problem with the movie is too much stuff, adding more stuff on top of that isn't going to fix it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, um, what was it? Like, I, you, you hear all these, like, the uh, Zack Snyder and all the sta- and all the cast members after the film came out and after, in, in response to bad reception, are just kind of, like, throwing out their excuses, right? Telling them, like, oh, well, this scene was cut. This scene was cut, too. But I'm just like, here's the thing. Like, you had all this footage cut. But what was present were things that weren't necessarily necessary to begin with. So, like, exactly. I feel like you feel like you kept in the three dream sequences, but you didn't. But you cut out the reasoning behind Lex Luthor's motivations, and you know, in Superman and Batman's like whatever supposed more scenes that explain that flesh it out. So, like, that's just really, really terrible editing on your part. And I, I have the sense that that a lot of it has to do with not just David S. Gordon's writing and such, but also the studio heads, right? Probably. Studio heads telling them you have to have this in here, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. right. Um, yeah. Can I point out, so, one thing they did right, Jeremy Irons is a fantastic pick for Alfred. Oh, sure. Absolutely. They had a yeah, lot of, yeah. they had a lot of, to see, the, the, I think Tobias kind of hit it where he was like, there's so many things that that movie did well, or that, like, could have been awesome. Like, they definitely did a lot of the casting well. I like, um, you know, I like Henry Cavill as, as Batman, or excuse me, Henry Cavill as Superman. Um, yeah, he was a good I, for that. Yeah, I think he plays a great Superman. I, I disagree rather strongly with just sort of how they use that character in general. And uh, I'm getting ready to, to do like a whole YouTube rant on like the the character of Superman and what he is today and what he can be and all that. But but I like Henry Cavill's Superman. I like the way that, that he does the character. I like... Um, yeah, Jeremy Irons as, as Alfred was a stroke of genius. Um, you know, I, I even... I don't like Al Gadot as Wonder Woman. And I was not fond of using Ben Affleck as, as Batman. Um, I, think I he feel like you need to watch the rest of the movie until you can make a joke no, on Ben Affleck. <laughs> he did better than I thought he would. And it's not so much him, just as I don't think he has the look for Batman. But Al Gadot, I still, I still think, was not a good choice. Well, given... Okay, so, like, Wonder Woman's character, it, like, does almost nothing until the big finale fight where she just kind of randomly jumps in to fight Doomsday. But, so, I, I'm not even really going to make that much of a judgment call because there simply isn't much there to say. But I think Ben Affleck was great. I think most people would, would agree. Um, I think he was pretty good. I, 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 the only thing I did not like about Batman was the fact he's, like, mass murderer and he purposely, willfully kills people. And... Anyone who reads Batman comics knows that's not well, who he is or what, or what he does. Like, I know I've heard, I've had, like, Gary, you've been in some pretty intense debates, I'm sure, uh, as you just said, but I've gotten into some debates with people, like, on Facebook about, um, talking about, like, oh, no, like, it's okay for Batman to do that, you know? Like, I, I, the fact that he doesn't kill people is stupid. Like, it doesn't matter what you think of the character, it's how he is written. That's how he's been written for decades. Basically. Since, yeah, since, like, I don't know, the 19. 19- 50s, 60s, something like that. Ever, ever since he had, he had a Robin, he's been like that. Because the Robin was the reason why they, they, 
they rewrote that so that he doesn't kill people. And um, and it, it's just absurd to me. I'm seeing Batman on his Batwing machine gunning dudes down, blowing them up with missiles, using their cars for wrecking ball, people still inside of it, uh, shoving, uh, like, a, oh, yeah, get, getting a dude's M60 machine gun and shooting that guy's gas tank and stuff. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I, I just don't know what, at what point did Batman become the Punisher? You know, I, I don't understand that. Um, but in terms of what this film did right, I think that the uh, definitely B- Batman, how he acts, other than the fact he kills people, and his his on screen like you know a uh, visual portrayal, like when he fights those bad guys in that warehouse. That's I think most people would agree that's like the most badass scene in the entire movie. I think that's the best Batman fight scene we've ever seen in live action. Well, it's, it's basically live action Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah, yeah, Arkham exactly. I, I totally agree with that. And actually, gosh, you just you said so much stuff. Um, getting back to what Andrea said, so Ben Affleck is Batman actually was a lot better than I thought he was going to be. I was one of the people that as soon as Ben Affleck was cast in that role, I was one of the haters online that was just like completely hardcore against that. And then when I actually saw the movie, I was like, you know what? He gets a pass. He's, he did okay. I still... I still see Ben Affleck instead of Bruce Wayne, you know, because he's just one of those actors that you just... It's kind of like Will Smith. Like, from now on, when I see Will Smith in anything, oh, I don't see yeah. whoever he's supposed to be playing. It's like, oh, that's Will Smith pretending to be, like, a football player or, or whatever, you know. So yeah. with with Ben Affleck, I was like, okay, that's Ben Affleck pretending to be Batman. But it worked. He did a good job with it. And out of all of the people in the movie, I feel like he was the most um, – he, he did the, the best representation of the character that he was playing, except for – yeah, being like an absolute like bloodthirsty maniac. And the thing that people the, the argument that I've had is people keep saying, well, this is this is a, a kind of like a different version of Batman. He's older. He's later in life. He's very sort of battle weary, you know, and he's just kind of done with the whole thing. He's just over it all. And my response to that is, OK, but they should have showed us that, though. Yeah. If, if that's going to be your approach to if, if that's going to be your version of Batman in the movie, then you should you should display that and portray that in a way where I get that. Like, I shouldn't need somebody to explain that to yeah. me, you know? And, like, I think, I mean, we maybe a hint of that when we see the old Robin costume, the Joker riding on it, which basically it's implying right. uh, the dead Jason Todd Robin from the Joker. Right. Um, I mean, I think that should have been more, like you said, more explicit, more, you know, in there. Um, yeah. But and when you say like you know Ben Affleck, I, he's pretty much the best thing of that in that movie because he's the only character who's given an actual arc. He's the only character who's the, for a movie called Batman v Superman. Only Batman has a real story. Superman is just depressed and just kind of wandering around and hates Batman for no real reason, you know, and just kind of gets shits on by the you know, it's just kind of getting like a, a lot of uh, bad heat from the public and doesn't really have a real story to him, really. It's a Superman that's kind of there to be. And, and I felt like Superman was, was just there to be an antagonist. That's what, that's what it felt like to me. Um, Which really depresses me because I, I have, I'm, I'm a huge Superman fan of the character and it really positively depresses me how he is being portrayed. Even, even in Man of Steel, it's like, I understand yeah. you were going yeah. for like a new take on that character, but like the thing that people don't understand, because like, Nine people out of ten just don't get Superman. They say they yeah. can't relate to him. They say he's boring to all the stuff. And the thing that makes that character who he is is supposed to be morally superior to us. Superman is supposed to be someone 
that the rest of us can aspire to be like because he does stand for truth and justice and he always does the right thing. We're not supposed to relate to Superman. We're supposed to be yeah. inspired by Superman. He's a god, essentially. Yeah. Whole, exactly. yeah. And they and they just that's just not who that character is on screen at all. They they're they're trying to they're trying to make him relatable and kind of bring him down to earth in a way, if you'll that was not meant to be a pun, but I guess it was. But um and they're, they're, if you if you try to make Superman relatable and try because you're trying to make him like us, you're pretty much destroying the whole reason why we need that character in the first place. And that's that's kind of my thing with Batman v Superman. Is you're right, it really was Batman's movie, and Superman was just kind of there in the background, moping around and being hyper violent. We should talk about Superman killing people too, because again, that's. <laughs> Yeah, he was taking bad little baths, too. I mean, it was just strange. They decided to handle him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, Superman, and his his introduction scene in this movie is him breaking international law and killing a terrorist. And I'm just like, cool, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And the funny part is he's like, the Batman thinks he's above the law. What, what are you been doing? What? Like, yeah, seriously, it's like really for for real. There's just there. There's so many things about that movie. I was just like, guys, come on. And I I feel like at the end of the day, this is mainly on Zack Snyder. Yeah. I think he he uh, the best way that I can explain Batman v Superman is is I tell people, look, you have to think of Batman v Superman as like some sort of alternate version of these characters. This is like an alternate reality version of Batman and Superman because these are not the characters that we know from from comic books or basically any other media. They're just not. This is like a completely different take on these characters. And that's the only way that I can even stomach it is to say, okay, this is a different version of Batman. This is a different version of Superman. They're not the characters from the comics. Just get over it. And I'm trying. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, we'll that's uh, how honestly, I see it as well. Even... Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Oh. <laughs> we haven't even covered the whole Jesse Eisenberg issue, but that's another can oh, of worms. Oh, uh, I uh, I'll let somebody else talk about that because I might get mad <laughs> to smash my laptop, and it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, t- Tobias, uh, sorry we've been talking over you. A- any more thoughts? Um, uh, well, I have to agree with Gary. I uh, see the Batman v Super mo- uh, Superman movie as uh, an alternative. Uh, version uh, and uh, at first when I saw it in theaters uh, when uh, Batman started uh, randomly just killing people and uh, I was like what but uh, after a while uh, I started thinking that it doesn't matter really it's an alternative world it's another different Batman yeah a lot of people are I mean it's like to me, there's a difference between saying it's a different interpretation of a character and then just kind of missing the point of the character to begin with. Because one wonders, like, why someone would bother adapting the character if you just didn't really care about who they were about, what the purpose of them was in the first place. And kind of at that point, you should just be making up your own character. And, um, yeah, and I... I uh, 
I remember watching a uh, a reaction video from uh, the. I, I, do you guys know who Max Landis is? Is he's a scriptwriter? He's a big Superman fan. Oh man, I love Max yeah. Landis. I've yeah, he's put on YouTube. For sure. I think he's I think he's hilarious. I think he's a great guy. I think he's 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 a sort of controversy sometimes because of, of his opinions, but I think overall he's a great guy. And he, absolutely, he he expressed his thoughts on Batman v Superman. He was saying like these characters, fine, you can call them Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, but these are not. Any like any of whom who I grew up to be, you know, who the characters I knew from reading the comics. So it's just we can we might as well just call this some sort of alternate universe, right? Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. Well, the very obvious answer here is they don't want to necessarily honor the characters because they want to do their own thing, but they still want to cash off of you know the name recognition of Batman and Superman. Um, so that's really why they chose to call it, you know, an adaptation of these characters we know, but, you know, still also take complete liberty when it comes to their personalities and what they stand for. It's it's all about money grabs these days. Well, the problem is the movie just wasn't any good. Like, even yeah. if you're, yeah. even, even you're going to do, like, your own version of something or you want to do, like, a new take on something, that's totally fine as long as the end product is actually good. I got into a fight with people years ago when the first, um, you know, the first Spider-Man movie came out that Sam Raimi did. Right. Where they tweaked, um, they tweaked Peter Parker so that instead of him actually inventing the web shooters, the webbing was just coming out of his out of his wrists, you know. And people got all upset. They were like, "Oh, they changed that from the comic books." And I was like, "Guys, listen, it doesn't bother me if you change things from the original source material as long as whatever you're doing is actually good." If you have to, if you have to change your, I don't know, if you have to change your X Men costumes from spandex to uniforms, or if you have to tweak somebody's origin, I understand you have to change things for the sake of the story that you're telling. I don't mind that as long as the end product is actually good. And for Batman v Superman, if you have to, if if you want to do like, you know, a dark Batman that murders people or a Superman that's that's emo and mopey or a Wonder Woman that looks like a stick figure but is her superpowers are matched, whatever. But at the end of the day, if it's not a good movie, if it's not a good movie to just sit and watch, then like what's the point? You know, if you if you fail at that and do and get right anything else, then it kind of you know, you haven't really gained anything at best. And at worst you're messing up like Max Landis said, it's like these are not the characters that we've come to know and love. But even if they're not, if they were still interesting and cool, I don't know if you guys watch animated movies at all, but um, they did an animated Justice League movie a while back where like, Batman is a vampire and like Superman is like an immigrant. and Well, he is an immigrant, but Superman's Hispanic and Wonder Woman is like from Apocalypse. It's like Justice League, um, what's it called? Um, it's like God. God, it's like Justice League Gods and Monsters. It's like an animated movie. And it's literally a completely different version of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. You should check it out if you get a chance. It's actually a really cool movie because it's a totally different take on all of those characters. But it's friggin' awesome. And I love watching it because it's a good movie. So the place where Batman v Superman screwed up is that they tried to do all of this stuff and it just didn't work. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm talking too much. I apologize. No, you're I get, good. I get mad. <laughs> no, this happens a lot in our podcast. Um, so, yeah. There's, there's like a 
pretty much a laundry list of reasons that went wrong with Batman. I think we pretty much all acknowledge that. In regards to, we talked about it before, so the Civil War versus Batman v Superman, it's just like, I, I came in, I came in the, while I was watching Civil War, I was thinking to myself just like how similar, almost like, almost as if they read the script of Batman v Superman and decided we're just going to do this better. And like the <laughs> introduction, the, in, the introduction scene is the Winter Soldier, uh, you know, cap, you know, crashing his car in 1991 and taking the Super Soldier serums. That, that were there and then that scene is revisited at the very end of the movie as a big you know reviewing plot device to the characters who are fighting each other and which is very similar to batman batman fighting superman but instead of them that being how they mend ways and they stop fighting it becomes their make it a source of conflict that makes it worse so oh martha's your mom ends their fight but oh, oh bucky my murdered my Ugh. bucky murdered my parents uh now this now i have to stop and now i'm gonna kill him you know, it makes right. it worse. Yeah, which which is I think worked far a lot better. Also, considering, like I said, this this being a film that the culmination of all previous films, for uh, like in you, if you had seen Iron Man two and Avengers, you you get the hint of how estranged uh, Tony was from his own father, and we and, and in Winter Soldier, you know that his father, his parents had been killed, but yeah, during that time. And so, yeah, like, these are like little things that add up to a bigger picture. And uh, oh, we already covered how their, their motivations make a lot more sense. I want to talk about the villain in Captain America. Zemo has been kind of divided among critics. Some people say he was another terrible Marvel villain. I disagree completely. I think he was actually the one time we've had a Marvel villain who is compelling and great and Loki. I think Daniel Brewer as Zemo... Like Andrea pointed out, he's not some mustache twirling, I want to rule the world, blah, 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 destroy the world villain that we've gotten in pretty much all previous Marvel films. Um, he's there to get you know revenge, and he's, he's just a man with a, who has military intelligence experience, so he realizes he can't, he can't just head-on attack the Avengers. He's going to make them tear each other apart from the inside out, and I think for the most part that his plan made sense, and I think his motivations made sense. Some parts are definitely based on convenience, uh, for sure. But and I would have definitely rewritten some scenes. But I think overall, the impact of his character is great. And then another critic kind of pointed out that Zemo is kind of a character who is a reflection of the everyday man who is living in a world full of superheroes and has to deal. He's the one that deals with the, with the consequences of their actions. And it's kind of in the point of view of us. What, what would we do if we had lost family and went under crazy cool battles? And it's sort of key. It's like, and his character is so similar to Lex Luthor, right? Another genius who's a behind-the-scenes guy, just a, and he's trying to manipulate events, and make heroes fight each other. But it, it was far more compelling, and it's just, it's, it was just funny because Lex Luthor gets, Lex Luthor gets all the screen time, right, for him to do his little rambling to the senator and shit, and all it amounts to is him like butchering Shakespeare. Is what it looks like, and him talking about how. Uh, he has daddy issues, and he thinks gods are bad or something. Like, nothing was really made clear at all. And, uh, yeah, it, the funny part being, it's just like, his legs, uh, Jesse Eisenberg was uh, made a response saying that, oh, I want to make Lex Luthor more humanized. And I'm just like, humanized? There wasn't, your character came off as a raging sociopath. I don't, I don't see the humanized part anywhere in that. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the kind of comparisons I would make between the the two films. 
Um, and there's a yeah. very big distinction between making someone relatable and just having a very poorly written character with lines that come across awkwardly. Because all, his delivery on all of it, and I, I don't know how, how much I can blame the writing and how much is his performance, but it was just awkward, but not in a plot-advancing way to watch. It was just like when you're watching someone else do something embarrassing and you cringe for them, is how it felt watching that you know performance. I agree. Um, I was actually reminded of um, in Iron Man 2, uh, which I think most people agree was not as strong as the first Iron Man. But to me, the the most annoying thing about that movie was the Justin Hammer character. I, I was just I, I was just annoyed every time he was on screen and he was trying he was trying to be something and it just kind of didn't work. And that's how I felt about uh, Jesse Eisenberg. I don't understand why Jesse Eisenberg or Zack Snyder or whoever made that decision wanted that character to come out like that. But I was just, I was uncomfortable watching him on screen every time he was on. I was just like, can we take this away and get back to any of the, like, 19 other plots yeah. going on in this movie? The funny thing, okay, this is what I heard. Uh, I, I gotta double check, make sure this is right, but I read somewhere that Lex Luthor, sorry, Jesse Eisenberg was originally given the role of Jimmy Olsen, which would have made a, ten times more sense that he should play Jimmy Olsen. He looks just like Jimmy Olsen. There's no, I think that's, a, that's actually a good casting. But then Zack Snyder saw uh, Jesse Eisenberg, like, talk back, and he was like, oh, we have our Lex Luthor now. I'm like, what? Like, are you, I really hope that's not what happened, because that is a stupid, very stupid, like, way of, thinking of casting people and it came off horribly and then the uh, and here's another thing do you remember jimmy olsen in the movie he was a reporter who was a secret cia agent in the beginning yeah he got capped in the first what the hell was that like what what was that like how do you how do you take okay jimmy olsen is not just a throwaway character like his character is like the guy who like he's an everyday guy who's kind of a, a, a kind of a unpopular nerd dude and he's trying to make it he's trying to make it make it you know make it in a day at his average Joe job. And he sees Superman. Superman becomes his, like, his best friend and gives him that watch. It says, if you're ever in trouble, you click this button. I'll hear you. And I'll come rescue you and that sort of stuff. And we want to talk about how Superman is be a figure of hope who we aspire to become. You have someone like Jimmy Olsen who is right then and there, that character who shows all of that. He could have been that character who could display to the audience what that meant. Instead, he's a fucking buff, bearded CIA agent who's undercover and gets killed in the span of 10 seconds and which just shows you the thought the thought process between the script writing here from David S. Goyer and Zack Snyder like such carelessness when it comes to the characters also they killed Mercy Graves for like no reason that like was that, pretty sad I, I actually was upset about that I was like I was like okay like you, you, you went through all the trouble of casting some Japanese actress yeah, to, to play her and then you know, what you, what you assume would be some sort of cool, interesting take on it, and then, nope, nope, she, she just killed for literally no reason at all. Seriously, uh, I got so excited when they decided to make her an Asian character. I was like, cool, right on, I'm into it. And then they blew her up, and I was like, I was like really? Huh. You killed the only Asian character that you, like, even forced into your movie? Like, yeah. See, you guys? Ugh. I was like, okay, then. But yeah, uh, I guess, I guess, you know, I, I've kind of, I've, I've kind of said all I really need to say about about this topic. Um, any, anything else you guys want to go? Or you want to talk about? You want to move on? Um, if uh, the Jesse Eisenberg uh, like uh, 
uh, oh no, I lost his name. Uh, you said he was cast for another uh, character, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, if that's true, then uh, there would have been another completely different script because uh, Jimmy Olsen is killed in the beginning. True. And yeah. It would be interesting to see what uh, that uh, kind of vision was before someone apparently changed it. If that's true. Yeah. Because yeah, you you got a point because as it's written, it's still written badly. Like it's still not that the, the dialogue and his behavior in the movie still isn't Lex Luthor, even if it wasn't Jesse either. Um. Yeah. You got a point. All right. Uh. I guess we, we can move on. Um to the X-Men films. Now, I think, Gary, I think you're the only one in this group who's seen Apocalypse. I was going to see it, but my brother, but he kept on pulling it off. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I just know from all my friends and peers who have seen it and my bro- and my little brother who saw it. And I don't, I don't hear too much good news about it. I, I get a really mixed stuff, nothing particularly positive. And, um, which is kind of what I expected when I saw a trailer in the footage. And uh, I just, I, I guess, you know, what I'm getting at is what do we think of kind of the future of the of Fox's X-Men franchise in general, all, all their properties and stuff, and uh, does it still really have a future? And what do we think of kind of the the known upcoming films right now? We know that we, we know we're getting a third Wolverine movie. We know we're getting a second Deadpool movie. I heard there were talks of an X-Force movie, which I think that sounds pretty cool. Um, and There's apparently, some new yeah. mutants happening too, from what I understand. I'm not sure if that's confirmed or not, but they are going to do a, a new mutants. I can't remember oh, really? Really? a TV series or a movie. I know. Yeah, that. yeah, a TV series called Legion, I think. That yeah, called? so then there's that. That's about Professor X's kid. I don't know why we need that. That sounds kind of random to me. I know. It just, it just sounds like they want to make more, like you know, milk milk the property as much as they possibly can. Um, it, it's just weird because this entire franchise to me is. It's always been a hit or miss with their with their entries. It's so it's the most inconsistent like series of movies. It's like you get cool X Men one, X Men X two, X Men three was crap because of Brett Ratner, and then uh, Origins Wolverine was just, uh, just an abomination, uh, just terrible. It has like various similar problems that Batman v Superman has, um, and then you get cool movies like First Class, what Matthew Vaughn, which is I think that's still my personal favorite. Um, that's yeah, Days of Future Past is generally well liked. People like that movie. I personally do not, but that's just me. But I know overall it's considered a success. And then you have Apocalypse, which is very mixed and it's made from the same people. Um, here's my thing. I mean, I and then, okay, I forgot. I forgot to mention Deadpool. Everyone loves Deadpool. I mean, here's the thing with uh, these movies. They're just kind of like. To me, it's like they're on. They're always on the edge of getting these characters right, and then they get it wrong. Like, I forgot I mentioned the Wolverine. Wolverine was okay. Like, actually, let's use that maybe as an example. The Wolverine, which is the one after X Men Origins Wolverine, um, it's in Japan. It covers the Wolverine story when he's in Japan and uh, has to win. He's trying to win the heart of a Japanese woman, and but her her family's a part of like a, a criminal enterprise, and he fights ninjas and shit. He fights the Silver Samurai, etc. It's it's really cool, like in the comics. And when I saw the movie, and what I initially thought, I thought this was going to be a very, very sort of faithful adaptation because it seemed like that. But they did all kinds of really nonsensical changes. Like they made 
they made the Silver Samurai not the car- not Harada, but they made him a freaking... He's supposed to be a mutant in the comics. Like, he's actually a mutant. But then they made him, like, a Transformer robot in the movie. Um, yeah, that movie it, was actually really good until, like, the last, like, ten Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Apart at the end. It's like, what, what's... It, it was almost like... I remember watching that movie, and I, I said to myself, I feel like the writers got about three-fourths of the way through writing this movie, and then everybody went to lunch. And while they were gone, somebody, like, snuck in and just, like, wrote the ending. <laughs> and they came back, and, like, nobody noticed, and they just printed it and made the movie. Like, the, the ending was very – I couldn't understand how we got from a really solid, actually, Wolverine running around in Japan movie to, like, wait, why are we fighting a giant samurai robot with a snake uh, lake? Like, what – why – how did we nothing, get – Nothing about that made sense. Just just to go a little bit off topic right now, it's like you want Wolverine's mutant blood, whatever DNA, so you can stop aging. What was, what was the point of making this retarded-looking Transformer robot, uh, like samurai thing? It's just like it's like every known stereotype of Japan put into one thing, one scene. It's like oh, samurai check. Oh, giant robots check. It's okay. <laughs> I yeah. had that. that. You're absolutely right about that. That yeah. occurred to me. What And especially because what I really wanted out of the end of that movie was I, I just wanted to see Wolverine with no healing factor fight, like, yeah. 100 ninjas in the snow yeah. and then kill, like, whoever the, the like whoever that, that big bad guy, old guy was that was trying to steal his healing factor. I wanted him to take his healing factor, get healthy, pick up a sword, and fight Wolverine and just have Wolverine have this, like, crazy awesome samurai fight where even without his healing factor he still manages to beat that guy like that's that would have been like the perfect ending to that movie and, and yeah. instead you get like it, it just turned into a comic book at the end and i was like you didn't have to do that guys you were, yeah. you were doing fine i um, like what i did like about the movie was it explores the themes of wolverine as a tortured soul like someone who he just doesn't age and he's forced to live with the consequence of people around him dying and then how how that eventually how he eventually finds he's at peace with himself at the end of the his guild over Jean Grey I thought that was pretty good you know things like that you know good stuff and bad stuff just, I just wish there were more good stuff but back to being on topic I guess like how do we feel of like just Fox these films in general I guess I to me I think they're at this point they've run their course if uh, just especially the mainstay X Men films I think their spinoff films are a little bit better. Um, I think, yeah, Deadpool, they struck gold with Deadpool, but that wasn't even their choice from the from the beginning. That happened because of the leaked footage in Ryan Reynolds and the fans pushing it. So if that wasn't there, which basically shows that Fox doesn't really have any respect for these properties. They only did it because there's a following and they can make money out of it, and they let them do it. But it wasn't their idea from the get-go. Had this been Marvel, that would have been the case from freaking, you know, the beginning, you know? Um, yeah, I guess, I don't know, how, how do we feel about that? Have you guys, uh, Andrea, Tobias, have either of you guys seen, uh, you haven't seen Apocalypse, have you seen Days of Future Past or any of those movies? Yeah. I'll yeah. oh, go ahead. So, Days of Future Past was tricky for me because I, none of the time travel really ended up making sense. There was a lot of, a lot of things that really shouldn't have happened if they changed the path. It's just it. They didn't really keep it cohesive. I didn't think was my critique of that movie. And we've also talked about this. Me and Eric have separately about how they're trying to make 
Mystique a more redeemable character, probably because Jennifer Lawrence is so liked by so many people. Right. But it's also one of the things where they're they're changing the nature of of her and why she's so fascinating isn't because she has this, you know, you know, strike of the conscience, but um, other than that, the idea was was good enough, I thought. I haven't seen Apocalypse. Um, yeah, the Wolverine movies, enough said. You guys were on, on, on point. They're just never never been as promised. And I know, Eric, you've gone through this because you've gotten your hopes up each time. And I'm like, Eric, it's not oh, going to yeah. be good. And you're like, no, no, no. They said this time it'll do it. And then you watch it and you're like, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> it sucked again. But, yeah, Apocalypse seemed okay to me. I can just see, from what I was looking at, and... Some scenes from the trailers look like the CG was just so heavy, and it was gonna look ridiculous. Um, but story-wise, I don't know. I I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a shot, but I'm I'm not hoping too much. Tobias, take Tobias. Uh, well, uh, I don't really have any strong feelings or opinions about the uh, X Men movies. Or, uh, like, uh, I never really liked them. They're just uh, the audio is messing up when you're on. Nothing. I think your audio kind of phases out in and out sometimes. But oh, okay. So you, you don't really have that much of like a strong feeling on the movies. Did you see Days of Future Past? Yeah, I, I've seen all of them, but uh, right. they're just. Uh, I feel like you can just have them on in the background. You can watch them uh, from time to time, and like it's there's nothing there for me. <laughs> right. Right. I I get you. Yeah. Um. That's too bad because I'm actually. Uh... I don't know if just because I'm a little older than you guys, but I've there was a time when my uh, my X Men comic collection was like three times the size of everything else. It was pretty much when that the '90s cartoon was around. Uh, yeah. I, I got super super into like anything that had an X on it. I was there: X Factor, X Force, X Caliber. Uh, I actually got. <laughs> Uh, I, I wrote Marvel a letter. Back in the day, they used to have fans write in letters, and they would publish certain letters in the back of the issues. And, like, one of my proudest, like, nerd accomplishments is I actually wrote a letter to an issue of X-Force, and they actually published my letter in the back. I've got, like, five copies of that at home in plastic. But, um, yeah, with with Apocalypse, I really don't feel like that movie deserves as much hate mail as it's getting. Um, is it a great movie? No, but I think... Um, you know, Andrea, you said if, if you're not expecting a whole lot from it, I think if, if you keep your expectations, like, reasonable, I, I think it's a decent movie. Uh, I actually loved Days of Future Past. I thought that movie was fantastic, and I thought the thing that I give credit for for that movie is that movie literally did, like, four or five really, really difficult things at once. Like, it was an adaptation from a classic storyline from the comic books that I thought went really well but they were also trying to like reboot the franchise but they were also trying to like combine like two different like timelines or versions of the characters in one but it was also like a cool movie it just they just did so many things like together at the same time that are really hard to do i was i was blown away by that but i think x-men apocalypse definitely a weaker film uh eric you're you're right about um First Class was just an incredible movie. X-Men First Class was great. Um, I think with Apocalypse, if you guys just kind of keep your, your expectations low and watch the movie, you'll enjoy it. The, the weakest thing, pretty much everybody agrees in that movie, is Apocalypse himself. 
which is a real shame because I think we had the potential to have a really menacing, dangerous uh, villain in Apocalypse, but the movie never really dug into like why that character is doing anything. He came across as just sort of this very... He came across like stereotypical supervillainy, like I'm going to destroy the world just because I don't like it or something. Yeah, I just I'm so sick of those of those villains who are just like very very loosely defined goals. They're big and grand and bombastic. They want to destroy the world or re rewrite the world in their image because the strong will overcome the weak. I'm like that's such a stupidly overdone like motivation that no one can buy into anymore. Not in this age. Not any not any longer. And see, that's what that's what I was afraid of. They messed it up though, because with Apocalypse, if they had spent some time really digging into that, like Apocalypse, that like the whole reason that he's called Apocalypse is because he he sees himself as this, um, you know, in the comic books, Apocalypse was raised in this very strict survival of the fittest. Like everything that exists should have to fight and struggle to prove that it deserves to live. You know, like everything should be tested to see if it's worthy to survive. And so with Apocalypse, he sees himself as this great test that is going to purify the world. It's like only the strong will survive my coming. Like, he doesn't care about mutants or humans or anything. He's just going to burn it all down. And whoever's still standing, those are the people that deserve to be here. So the place where that movie really fell down is because of a philosophy like that, we had an opportunity to have a really cool conflict with the X-Men because Professor Xavier's whole thing is people who have power should protect people who don't. Apocalypse is like, that's nonsense. You do it. Like, that's crazy, you know? So we could have had a really cool conflict between the X-Men and Apocalypse. We just didn't... we, We never really got that explained. It was just like Apocalypse is like, I'm here, I'm evil, and I want to destroy the world. And they never really fleshed out like, here's why he thinks that and what he's really trying to do. And that was, to me, that was the biggest disappointment. It, it's just, Apocalypse was just, like, a big blue loud guy who tried to blow up the world or something, like, in Dragon Ball Z and ended up losing at the end. It was just like, eh, that, you guys could have done better with that. But and That's okay. really cool, because I didn't even know that that's what the villain's whole, you know, idea was. Because that's really... And, yeah, I haven't seen it, but from the trailer, you just get the sense that, oh, look, it's this super god-type villain, and he just wants to kill us because that's what supervillains like to do. Right. Uh, And I will say, going back to what you said, I thought First Class, so agreed it was a very effective movie, but going back and rewatching it, I realized 95% of the reason it was so good was just Magneto's character alone. The rest of the stories were not so great. Like, the scenes with just the other young mutants were just kind of, like, classic. Oh, we're getting in trouble. We're being rebellious. We're young mutants. Try yeah, to they, they suck, actually. The more I think but, about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Magneto's part was amazing. I mean, because I thought that was one of the best displays of, you know, the rise of a villain I'd ever seen. And I remember I got out of that movie and I texted my boyfriend at the time and I was like, I'm sorry I have to leave you because I'm in love with Magneto. And he's like, I, I figured that would happen. Because it was, yeah. just, it was so easy to identify with his story and I thought they did that beautifully. When you I see mean, X-Men Apocalypse, Magneto is is the best thing about X-Men Apocalypse too. Like, if, if nothing else, if you get to see Apocalypse, Magneto is the only character that has a real, like, uh, I, again, I think... Magneto is probably like one of the best written 
comic book villains in like cinematic history. He's just I love what they do with him in all these movies. But yeah, yeah. in Apocalypse, he's really the only one that you have any kind of like emotional attachment to. He he's worth like seeing what they do with him in that movie alone is worth going to see Apocalypse at least once. And yeah. honestly, I mean, they picked Fassbender to play him, which is just, he's not going to screw that up. I mean, he's one of the nope. best, I think, current actors to play one of the best written characters. It's it's just, yeah, that's that's not going to go badly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, um, Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy's dynamic in first class was amazing. Like, uh, originally, like, they were going to make it their own spinoff movie with just a Magneto. And, but they decided to merge that with first class. I think it worked pretty damn well. I don't think, uh, not um, to drip, but I don't think we could have handled all that bromance at once if that was all one movie. That would have been just too much. I, I mean, looking back at that, at that film, like he, I mean, here's the thing. Like this is what's been kind of highlighted to me in this, in all of these films that you get you get some genuinely awesome characters, at, at, you know, great moments in these movies. But then there's always it's always like and then everything else to me is just kind of mediocre stuff. Like in first class, I'm you're forcing this terrible like you know subplot of romance of mystique and beast and all, all of her problems and like. Here's the thing. Okay, I'm not, let's not even talk about the mystique as a comic character. She's a hypocrite in these movies. She's like, I want to be. I want people to see me for who I am. Why are you always blonde hair, good looking Jennifer Lawrence when you're just talking to normal mutants too? Like, you you spend all this time lecturing me about how you want to just be your normal self, which I assume is your blue body self, but you just don't want to. You, but you're always being someone else. Like you're always being the blonde hair, a white girl. And what that is to me is Jennifer Lawrence being lazy and not wanting to put in the costume because she is too entitled to do so. That's that's what I get off from that. And it's just well, like, and to, yeah. to be fair, apparently it takes them like nine hours of makeup or whatever to right. make but her mystique. So I look I, at the I, first three X Men films with Rebecca right. yeah. Rebecca Ramogen, uh came from not her last name. She always wore that, like yeah. always in there, dedication. And her character is most true to. Mystique character, I guess, up until that point. I mean, there is more to her than that, but as she is a villain character, and she's a little bit more I'm complex sorry. than that, but she's not in, like a hero. And that's yeah, and what I'm sorry, but I just, I just don't like Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique. I don't get I don't that. Either. I don't either. She's, it's not that she's a bad actress. She's just not... I mean, Rebecca Roman, she was just a very sexy, sly Mystique, and that's the whole point of this character. She seduces you then screws you over and i'm sorry but i don't jennifer lawrence is like the the actress people like because she's like the girl next door there's nothing i would never look at her and go oh yeah she's a temptress you know i i just don't see that that kind of character coming from her she's like an angsty millennial you know what i'm saying i just i don't get the feeling <laughs> that's like her motivations are real that she's really earned her place here and when i was watching a trailer for apocalypse i see Steak saying you're not kids anymore. You're X Men. Like you're. Why are you giving this speech? Where, how come Cyclops isn't the one leading the X Men? It's absurd to me that they when they did first class, they weren't doing the real first class. Young Cyclops, young Jean Grey, you know, young uh, Angel. They had Mystique for no real reason, in in complete contradiction to future films. Like, oh, she is your childhood friend, but I guess she'll poison you in X Men One. Like what? It's just yeah. But see, but see again that 
I didn't mind that because, um, you know, going back to what I said earlier, if you're going to do your version of something and you're going to change the continuity all around, yeah. as long as it's good and as long as it works, I don't mind that so much. In X-Men First Class, I remember watching that movie, and, and I'll be honest with you guys, I thought First Class was going to suck. Like, we saw we saw the um, the posters for that with them wearing those, like, yeah. suits and stuff. We were like, this movie's going to be terrible. So I went with my friends to just, like, heckle and make fun of that movie. And, like, five minutes in, after the very first couple of Magneto scenes, I was like, oh, my gosh, this movie's awesome. Yeah. So with, with Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique, though, I, I, I didn't mind that, uh, it, at least in the first two movies, I liked what they were doing with her. The problem that I have now is that in, in X-Men Apocalypse, I'm just kind of over Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique. And the thing is, if you watch X-Men Apocalypse, it kind of looks like she's kind of over it too. Yeah. <laughs> like it really, it, it's just, um, and plus not, not to get into the spoiler territory, but, um, one of the things I liked about Mystique in days of future past is that they've kind of set her character up as almost like a third, like leader in the mutant community, which yeah. is kinda cool. Like they had professor X doing his thing and leading his group. And then they had Magneto leading his group. And in days of future past, they basically, set Mystique up as being, like, a third leader of, like, another faction of, like, the mutant community, which I thought was pretty cool. Like, if, if you're going to go, if you're going to have Mystique and Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique in as prominent a role in these movies, at least do something interesting with it. And they were doing that. And I'm sorry to say, but in X-Men Apocalypse, they almost kind of, like, undo all of that. Like, by the end of the movie, like, Professor X and Magneto and Mystique, it's like they're all just sort of cool with each other again. I'm just like, you guys spent two movies working on this, and now, like, Mystique's an X-Man. And she, like you said, like, she's leading the team in the last mission. She's telling the X-Men what to do. It's just like, you, yeah. what? Uh, I don't get the sense of any sort of overarching vision in any of these films. There isn't. There just really isn't. There hasn't been since the beginning, which, which is fine, because in the beginning, there was no real shared universe. It was always based on a sequel-by-sequel sequel basis, which is fine. But then by the time you reach something like X-Men Origins Wolverine and X-Men First Class, I really think they should have had someone like, like a Kevin Feige-like per person figure being in charge of an overall vision and connecting these things more coherently. But the timelines are all still incredibly messed up. Nothing makes a whole lot of sense. And like Gary just said, like character like moments or kind of motivations or how they acted it don't really carry on. It is kind of it's still feels like this is an early two thousands, you know, film by film basis of, you know, how they're going about these characters and they're not really consistent. Um yeah. I, I just I'm to me these these main, these main X Men films to me are just kind of just kind of dead to me. Like they have some cool moments but they're not really there to last you a very long time. Now I think a movie like a the third Wolverine movie. I mean, this is going to be the last Hugh Jackman as Wolverine film. Um, it could, it, it definitely has a high possibility of sucking like the whatever the other ones have. But um, I have hopes because Old Man Logan is an amazing story. Have you read that one, Gary? Old Man love Logan. Old Man Logan. Yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't love Old Man Logan? And uh, although I saw the press, the the set footage, the set pictures. They're they're all already they're taking a completely different route, um, which I guess it makes sense because the original Old Man Logan is set in the main Marvel universe where it deals with the right. Avengers as well, so it's a little bit different. But 
I already I see an older Hugh Jackman, right? But he he's talking to an older Professor X. So I heard about that earlier. Actually, they're going to they're going to be using Professor X. So we'll see where that goes. I just hope they get the overall feeling of it. I don't, are they are they for sure doing that storyline, Old Man Logan? That confirmed? I didn't know that they. I heard it well, was a rumor, but I didn't know that that's actually like what they were. It's like it's like a heavily almost confirmed rumor because I mean, the picture is clearly of Hugh Jackman, like visibly old. He has gray hair and stuff, so okay. I have to assume. It's to some extent that way, yeah. Um, uh, let's see, but yeah, uh, maybe. Okay, so I guess, I guess is that kind of all we have to say about this, or do, should we talk about Deadpool two or X Force? Anything now? I think um, just in terms of the the future of the franchise, because the, <laughs> theoretically that's what we're supposed to be talking about. Right. I got I got a sidetracked. I apologize. Um, yeah, I think that some sort of uh, overall battle plan for what the X movies are doing is probably what they need. Um, I think the the greatest miracle that the Marvel Studios movies have given us is that they had a plan from the beginning. It's like we in in ten years we want to go from zero to Infinity War, and here's how we're going to get there. Like that, like that kind of forethought in like movies and pretty much anything is almost unheard of. And I think that's the reason why these movies are so strong is because they they're all their own individual movies with their own directors and stuff. But like somebody at Marvel the, the entire time has been like, don't forget that this is where we're headed, you know? Yeah. So I think that in terms of, and you, you've got enough variety now coming with these X movies, you've got Deadpool, you've got um, X force, you've got this new mutant thing, I don't know how this Legion TV show, whatever it is that they're going to put together, is going to factor into it. But you've got enough little branches with these um, stories that you could tell something really, really cool. You could go to, you know, the Extinction Agenda from the comics, or you could go to, um, I don't know, any of these these huge stories. Uh, there's also, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's an extra scene at the end of X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, I heard as Mr. Sinister. Yeah, well, go ahead and spoil it then, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry not to do that. But, yeah, they're, they're hinting at Mr. Sinister. I've heard rumors that X-23 is actually going to show up at some point. So they, they've got a lot of uh, potential to tell some cool stories, but I do hope that somebody figures out how to connect them in a way that is a little bit more grounded so that, yeah. you know, we don't... Grounded and, and also just the, the quality control, because I... I'm also a big fan of X Force, and I would hate for that movie to suck. That would just ruin my like entire life. Yeah, so, I hope. I hope. I, I hear X Force is 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 like being written right now. Um, I I think that'd be pretty awesome. Man, yeah. I, I see. So to me, like I care more if you know with these foxes. I care more about the your kind of individual characters, the Deadpool, uh, the Wolverine stuff. Um, it's just to me like that the studio as a whole. I, I'm I've never been convinced they fully understand their characters very well. Like they they they've to me they've always come a little bit short of that, and and which is for well whatever we we've already discussed you know examples of that already. I, I would hate for the third Wolverine movie to be bad to not like not to live up to what the story could you know really promise or the point of the story because that's kind of what happened with the Wolverine when he was in Japan. Um, Especially for Hugh Jackman as his last movie. As exactly. Well. Like, yeah. I would that for him. Like, I, I love Hugh Jackman just as an actor. 
Um, I actually uh, I watched a, a movie last night uh, with my girlfriend that had Hugh Jackman in it, and the movie itself was was not very good. But just because Hugh Jackman was in it, I was like, I'm going to watch this just because Wolverine's in it, you know. And it was wait, which movie? Uh, it was it was called like Deception or something. Oh, and it, had, it was it was Hugh Jackman and uh, uh, Ewan McGregor. Oh. Uh, they were like, which is already hilarious, right? Because this Obi Wan Kenobi and Wolverine are in this movie. I'm watching it, but um, the movie was was okay. But I just like Hugh Jackman. Uh, I think he's he's a great actor. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. Um, and I would hate for his last turn as Wolverine to be something that he was like ashamed of in years to come. You know, like I really I really hope that this is like the best of those Wolverine movies so he can finish strong and be like, here's my run as a superhero, you know, like I'm, I'm proud of it. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, just for me, if they're going to be making future ones. I, I don't think Brian Singer should be attached to another X-Men movie. Like I, someone like Matthew Vaughn, who really brought some magic to me. I feel like someone like that should be, should be put on if they're going to be making new ones. I think Brian Singer is, is – I think if anybody understands the X-Men franchise, it's him just because he, he did give us those first two X-Men movies. He did, they, they yeah. Very good. And even even with X-Men First Class, like Matt Vaughn directed that movie, but Brian Singer was like a co-producer or something on that movie, which is part of how it got back on track. So I think that um, – I think part of the reason that people are hating on X-Men Apocalypse is because they're surprised because of Brian Singer's – He's got such a solid track record so far that for him to give us a movie that is not spectacular is a little weird. I think if anybody else had made X-Men Apocalypse, people would think that it was really good. But just because Brian Singer has done such a good job so far, I think people are um, kind of like your own success becomes your own worst enemy. Yeah. Um, but I don't disagree with you that it might be a good idea to get somebody else that if you work on the same thing for too long, you're going to get burned out on it no matter what it is. You know, yeah. like I think Joss Whedon. <laughs> Yeah, poor Joss Whedon. <laughs> you know, like I don't want Brian Singer to end up like Joss Whedon post Age of Ultron. So maybe get somebody else in and give give him a try and and use Brian as a, a consultant or something. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can move on to another topic. Um, I kind of want to switch things around. Uh, can we? Is it okay if you guys we talk about game to film adaptations first, and then Game of Thrones if we have time at the end? Sure, man. You're in charge. Cool. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, our next topic being video games to film adaptations. And we've already seen, like, a long history of really, really crappy fail attempts at doing that. I mean, look at the uh, those shitty Uvi Bowl films. <laughs> I mean, he just known, he, he's known as a god-awful director in general. Like, he, he doesn't give two shits about anything he does. Like, people don't even know why he gets work at all because he clearly does not care but then you get films like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Annihilation, the the Doom movie with The Rock, um, which is basically just watching a guy play a video game. I don't know what the hell that was about. Pretty much. And, yeah, and there have been some exceptions, but ne- they've never been great. They've just been like, oh, this wasn't as shitty as I thought it would be. Like, the Prince of Persia movie, maybe. Uh, the first Mortal Kombat movie, um, maybe some Resident Evil films. I don't watch any of those because they all look generic as shit to me. Um because I can already tell from watching those Resident Evil trailers that they, they've, they've captured almost none of the essence of Resident Evil video games. Not played oh, Resident Evil video games. For sure. There's, there's nothing like 
Yeah. It looks like a Matrix knockoff in an actual zombie survival horror movie. So, like, I'm already done with that. Like, no. So, I guess what I want to ask is why is this and what lessons can be learned for for future films by filmmakers? And what do we think of... I know the Warcraft movie just came out, which has gotten mixed uh, reception. Unless you're in China, where apparently it's killing it in China. And, yeah, the Chinese are weird. The, The Chinese movie industry... They they love American films not because they give a shit about the substance they care about the flashiness of it that's why Transformer films are still being made because China loves it and China has a the Chinese companies have huge money huge money in uh, movie industries in the U S like I'm pretty sure they just bought out Lionsgate stuff like that so there's an enormous influence in there like if you call when Iron Man three came out they had their own separate Chinese release version of that like separate wow. yeah they had like separate scenes in Chinese inserted in Iron Man 3. And my friend, Kevin, who's actually been on this... Uh, hey, actually, Gary, you know Kevin. Kevin Hong. Remember Kevin Hong from Marching Band? Um, Play flute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kevin, uh, he's been on this podcast several times. Uh, he, he's very much big in the movie. He, he was telling me when he... I think he told me he saw the Chinese version of Iron Man 3. He was telling me, like, none of it made any sense to you. Even if you were Chinese... Like, people, in, the viewers in China acknowledge that it just made no sense. But it still makes money because they love seeing this stuff happen. And, there, yeah, so just, just put that out there. Like, kind of off topic, China is a huge player in American movies. Like, whether you know it or not, they are. And so, going back on topic, I guess, what do we think of movies like Warcraft and the upcoming Assassin's Creed movie featuring Michael Fassbender? And I, I just want to say, Assassin's Creed looks awesome. That trailer looks awesome. Um, they have really good... Uh, director, really good uh, actors in there. Michael Fassbender, they're taking it very seriously. Marion Cotillard's in it. Um, apparently, Jeremy Irons is in it as well. And just from what I saw, like they captured the look, the movements of the assassins, the, the, the fighting, and the very serious tone of it. And the fact that Ubisoft loves their Ubisoft is uh, doing the Marvel route. They have they have their own movie studios and their own filmmakers doing this. They're, they're doing a third party like movie like. Uh, director or like you know studio doing their films like much what dc is doing so that's really interesting to me it shows to me that they have a huge like they love what they have and want to commit to it so i think that actually might be a, a, the first genuinely good like a, a video game you know adaptation to a movie so and i guess to answer the previous question i, I had raised i think why these things keep happening is just well for most things that there are adaptations of stuff or the recent, the recent like rebooting of old franchises because they, they just, they, they take what the popular name and make money off of it. That's all there is to it. You know, screw like understanding what what it was about in the first place. Like you, when that that terrible Mark Wahlberg Max Payne movie came out, right? You you hear like some script writers or some actors be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a fan of the game. Oh, you're a fan of the game, but you never really played it beginning to end. You never, you were never part of that community that loved it in the first place, right? Um, because it's, to them, video games, I think, are just kind of like looked down upon by a lot of people in the industry, the movie making industry, and um, that's why uh, you get these sort of really, really cookie cutter, cliched as hell adaptations because cliches are what they think, what 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 Hollywood filmmakers think are what sells tickets, right? Oh, it has a good looking lead. It has. Uh, you know, a, a, a romantic love interest. Like, hey, Gary, you guys, you guys remember the, 
those Hitman movies, Agent 47 and stuff. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, gosh. If you ever played a Hitman game, Hitman is not a fucking hero. He's not a, he's not a hero. He's a, literally a cloned guy who does contract killing. He kills people for money. That's simple as it gets. But there are other things to it, too, like people who want to take advantage of the cloning technology he's based upon, et cetera, et cetera. But then in both movies that come out, you see him, like, rescuing a woman, a damsel in distress, right? I'm just like, why? You know, it's because they have to rely on these things that they think people are familiar with in order to sell tickets. And it's just a very superficial understanding of the franchise. Um, yeah. And then there have been talks of, what, there's a, a Last of Us movie coming out, I heard. See, I think uh, that's completely unnecessary, because if you play The Last of Us, you don't need to do a movie. That's what I'm saying. That, that's, that, that's, that's what I've been saying. Yeah. It speaks for itself. Don't. Yeah. There's, there's nothing you can do in a movie that is going to improve on the interactive cinematic quality of that game. Like, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't even get to finish that game. I played halfway oh. through. It's like, this is amazing, but I, get, like, I just got busy. And I have, like, literally going back and finishing that game is on my list of things to do for, like, the last two years. I, I, I love The Last of Us. I but, went out of my way to buy a PS3 to play that game. Like, one summer, I had money because I was working that summer. I was like, I'm going to buy a PS3 cheap and get Last of Us. And that's what I did, and I love that game. I, did, I don't like the Uncharted series, which is made by the same people, but I love Last of Us. And I, I agree, like, a game like Last of Us is very much based upon other films. It's ba- it's it, they, they take the exact themes and sort of plot from The Road and Walking Dead and any other survival horror stuff, but they make it their own because it's a, it's a video game, and it's they have their own lore and their own, like, kind of setting to it, and it makes it more unique. And for that to be a film, it's to me, it's like, it's like unnecessary, like, like you said, because it's already based upon films that people have already seen. So I don't really think that same feeling or simulation you'll get from a video game will, will come across. But, are you guys yeah. gamers, Andrea, Tobias? Are you guys into video games? Yeah. And do we know what kind of story they want to tell with this uh, Last of Us movie? Is it the same as in the uh, video game, or do they just want to use the universe? I have, I have no real clue. All I heard were just, like, kind of uh, talks of it. I don't think there's anything really super, like, any anything tangible out there. Oh, okay. Well, it could... Um, but yeah, Tobias, like, yeah, what's your take on all this? What? Yeah, what, what's your take on all this? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> With the history of uh, all these video games and Warcraft getting mixed reviews, I don't see a pretty future for video game movies at all. Um, oh, yeah. You said you liked the Assassin's Creed trailers, what you saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty weird, and it sure it uh, kind of looks like they took... Uh, the essence of the game, but uh, one thing I noticed was, uh, you know, the animus part. The mm. I, I don't remember what the company is called. It's something on. Oh, they're called uh, Abstergo. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 right. Uh, in the game, it's a very clean, like future, very sterile world, and uh, in the movie, it looks very gritty and dark, and uh, yeah. It doesn't look like the the game at all. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, there is there is kind of an unfortunate trend of of movies becoming dark and gritty for like no real reason at all. Um, ever since Dark Knight came out, that's what's been going on. Um, yeah, 
Well, you didn't see Warcraft, did you? No, I haven't seen it, but I'm planning on seeing it. And okay, uh, okay. what I've heard from people that have seen it is uh, just negative things. Yeah. And it's a shame yeah. because it's I like... really want, uh, I really wanted this Warcraft movie to be good. <laughs> I've played World you of play Warcraft. Warcraft? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, I okay. played since uh, Vanilla. Uh, so it's a shame. It's a real shame. If it's yeah bad. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's just like, it's one of those things again, like, it's unfortunate, because they put it, they clearly put in a lot of effort for specs, they look particularly good, they have, they have talented actors in there, the guy from Vikings is in it, uh, Paula Patton's in it, Ben Foster, so, yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that happens, um, I, I, from what I heard from the reviews, that it, it's like, they 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 understood the lore of Warcraft and they were they were ta- and they, it was a film for the fans. But then it's like uh, someone described it to me that it was like watching a movie, but about a video game. But the movie that you're watching is just the instruction manual of the video game. Like they're just putting so much more <laughs> into it, like so much information is pouring it in there, and you're just like, well, this is kind of excessive. Yeah. And I guess like it's like their heart's in the right place. Like they want to do it for the fans, but at the same time, man, people need to realize that a film has to always be something for everyone to watch, right? Um, I, when people were talking about Batman v Superman, for instance, they're like, "I'm so sick of hearing this this terrible line of reasoning, this 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 full of logical holes." It's like, well, Batman v Superman is a movie meant for fans, so if you're not a fan, you won't get it. No, don't give me that bullshit. I'm a huge fan of yeah, DC. Yeah, that's idiotic. That's not yeah. you. That that's not an argument that any sane human being can make because like it's it, it's absurd to me. It's like they, like for instance, Wonder Woman, right? You don't see her do anything. You don't know nothing about her. Then that she all of a sudden jumps into the finale wearing full armor, right, and beating up Doomsday. Now I was like thinking to myself, what if you didn't know anything about Wonder Woman, and then you came to that movie and you were just like, oh, this this good looking woman who wears dresses there. Okay, cool. And then wait, why is she wearing armor and fighting and has super strength now? Like. None of that makes any sense. You can't just assume people know all everything about that because then it's not really a movie at that point. It's like a fan film, right? That's what it is. It's basically just a fan film. Well, you know what's weird about the Warcraft thing is I hadn't even... Um, it's good that we're talking about this because I just realized I hadn't even planned to like see the Warcraft movie. Like I, I've seen the previews and stuff, but I, I literally had no intention of going to see that movie until just now, because I'm talking to you guys about, because I'm 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 not uh, a Warcraft player. I play video games, but like I just I don't have time for those MMOs. Like I just don't. Um, but I I hadn't had any plans to see Warcraft at all. But now that I'm thinking about, it, I was like, wait a minute, why am I not trying to go see this movie? Even if it's not very good, I still, you know, I I think that one of the greatest sort of nerd tragedies today is that we still don't have good video game based movies like the fact that you know the comic book movies have come up as as well as they have just a dream come true but yeah man we we still don't and by the way eric you forgot um uh i will say that you forgot to mention those tomb raider movies oh yeah yeah you, you've mentioned a bunch of the other ones i i have a special place in my heart for that first i didn't I, I didn't actually watch any of those were, were they, i mean i heard they were okay right they 
we're okay. Yeah, I've got I got uh, well the first Tomb Raider movie and then the first Mortal Kombat movie will always have special. That doesn't mean they're necessarily good movies, but right. it's kind of like man, don't don't talk smack about Mortal Kombat. Like I, I like that movie. I have I have Mortal Kombat one on DVD still. Yeah, yeah. man, I, I like that movie. But I think uh, I don't know if Andrea is is still listening. She might be working right now. But um, with the Assassin's Creed movie, just because Michael Fassbender is the lead in that, I started to mention this when we were talking about uh, uh, X Men, but. I think that the movie, if there's a movie that has the potential to be the best or I, the first good video game based movie in history, I think it's Assassin's Creed. I kind of I understand what Tobias is saying about like some of it just looks uh, different from the game and, and a little bit kind of off putting. But I really think that you're never going to get a better shot at doing a movie based on a video game well than with Michael Fassbender in the lead of Assassin's Creed, especially because he's an actual fan of the game. Like, he's an actual fan of the games. And I think um, this is this is probably the best shot that we're ever going to get. Um, and I really, yeah, hope that it's, I, I really hope that it's good. I really... that That is a movie that I'm planning to see. Like I said, I, I love Michael Fassbender. Um, and it, it looks like a cool movie. It, is it going to be the same as the game? No. But again, as long as it's a good movie on its own, if they change things, if they adapt things, it's fine. But at the end of the day, it's got to be a good movie uh, that will appeal to fans and non-fans alike. It's got to be a good movie for anybody to just enjoy. And I think that this is um, – we're, we're never going to be set up better than we are with Assassin's Creed. So I'm, yeah. I've got my fingers crossed, you know. Maybe I'll go do that. I haven't. I don't really have anything to do this afternoon. I might just sneak off and catch Warcraft just <laughs> to do, but – um, I don't know. Andrea, are you still there? Yeah, no, I just haven't um, said much because I haven't been the biggest video game. She doesn't play player. any video games at all. She's lame. Um, the thing is, <laughs> shut up. Or, or maybe some of us are having a life, Eric, but no. Um, <laughs> no, all of us have no lives. Thank you. All right. Uh, see you I know. <laughs> no, but I, I did briefly play Assassin's Creed. I also just would watch people play it because I thought it was a very fascinating story. Um, to me, the movie looks like it's going to be fantastic. But then again, like you said, I, I will pretty much watch anything Michael Fassbender is in. Um, and I thought he was a good pick for it. But... With the exception of that Aliens prequel or whatever that mess was that he oh, was... Prometheus? Oh. oh my god, what was that? <laughs> What I, I was watching that and I was like screaming at the screen like what do you guys no you know what we're off topic I'm sorry I apologize <laughs> that Andrea finished what you were saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go no you can go there because I I agree that was a bit um I see what they were trying to do and I think the aesthetic of that was very beautiful and the the mood you got from the movie was interesting it just didn't make sense I have no idea what they were going for with that <laughs> like, this is a huge waste of my time. Prometheus <laughs> was a movie like I like I just brought up earlier. It's a movie made for alien fans, like only because I had the I saw it maybe like twice, and I had my friend who's a huge alien fanatic explain to me all the unexplained bullshit in that movie, and it made sense, I guess. But again, it's your duty as a filmmaker to make that happen. You can't just put in random scenes and just expect people to get it. And now that he explained to me, okay, cool, I guess. I just wish. You know, Ridley Scott had done a better job conveying that. Um, yeah, that movie just isn't great. It had some cool moments, but no. I hope the next one's awesome. The Alien Covenant, which is actually going to be a real alien origin movie uh, by Ridley Scott. 
That sounds awesome. I can't wait for that. Just the part at the end of that movie where a homegirl essentially gives birth to an alien yeah. via, like, I thought that was awesome and fucking And then, like, two minutes later, she gets up and is like, I was like, what, what, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go get some more popcorn. No. <laughs> yeah, and that scene was so cool and gory, but then I'm like, hun, you just had an alien C-section. C-section. You're not getting up. Your your abdomen is literally chopped all the way through. That's not how anatomy works. Uh-uh, Andrea. It's called girl power. <laughs> I'm sorry. My bad. Like, uh. Sigourney Weaver maybe could have done that. Maybe could have done. Rip, like, OG Ripley maybe could have done that. But that chick that they got in that movie, it's like, I, I'm just... I'm just going to hold one and wait for the end. Yeah. Consider getting up and walking out of a movie that I paid for. I'm stubborn that way. But with Prometheus, I was, I was really on the ragged edge of just being like, all right, I got stuff to do. I'm going to roll out. And the shameful thing is I, I really do like that actress. Because um, where I first saw her was in the Swedish version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And she owned that. Um, so I, I think it was just a shame that they put her in this role that didn't really make much sense and wasted her talents. Good actors in bad movies, it's a, it's like a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I mean, so the thing with Assassin's Creed is I've always thought the lure of Assassin's Creed, the story, the setting was perfect for a film. Um, I love, it's so unique, you know, it's, uh, the, the, a machine, it's, kind of, it's like one part matrix, one part historical fiction, you know, time travel in a, in a way. And uh, it's like the machine that can make you revisit the lives of your ancestors. And like, imagine, like, it's, it's endless possibilities. And I, I'm a huge history dork. I mean, I was a history major in college. And I love that stuff. I love the fact that we can, like, recreate those settings. And it's so unique in how Assassin's Creed does it because they have this idea that there's one organization or two, rather, two organizations that have, that have been throughout the human history have been always been there and in, in subtly influenced these events that we've all known as be normal history. But in, in their world, these people have always influenced these things that happen, like the death of various emperors and kings, et cetera, et cetera, and all these other events. Um, it's, it's, to me, it's really fascinating. I think it's really cool that we're finally going to get that in a, in a movie format. Um, yeah, we'll just hope they don't, they don't screw it up. Um, I am curious though, is if they're just they're probably just going to do what they do in the video games, where when they're in the in the past, they're just going to be speaking in accents, very thick accents, and instead of speaking the actual language, probably just to make it easier for the viewers, which is I would just fine. Did you did you play Assassin's Creed Unity? Anyone? Yeah, I have played uh, up to Brotherhood, I think. Brotherhood, okay. Uh, Unity. I only have this game because it came with my Xbox One, and I just, or I, I, it came with it, so I installed it. That game was shit. Like, yeah, it had some cool ideas and some pretty cool mechanics. Yeah, I remember is, the glitches. Yeah, yeah, the glitches are okay. Besides the glitches, which are horrifying, like there was one glitch where the the woman's face is literally inside out. That was horrifying. Oh god. <laughs> um, but besides that, like. When you're playing the game, okay, every other Assassin's Creed game, okay, uh, fair enough. Like, when you're playing in the past, there are people are, are in Italy, and they're speaking with an Italian accent. Fine, I can buy that, sure. I'm playing this game, and people are speaking with an English accent in France. 
during the French Revolution, like straight up English. I feel like I'm watching Bear Grylls right now. I'm not, not, you know, I don't get what's going on here. And the the logic behind that from the developers was like, oh, you know, we we just wanted the, it's the animus machine, you know, translating this for the the player. I'm just like, so why has every other game literally had it where people are speaking the accents appropriate to their time period and country? Like that thing was just lazy and stupid. Um, well, I mean, you could make that point about a lot of stuff. Like any any time people make a movie about like people in ancient Egypt or like the life of Christ, like everybody yeah, got British accent. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Re- what? Really? <laughs> the, 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 the logic is because you can't speak with an American accent because then it feels like you're just in America. But when you speak with a British accent, it's like, oh, we're we're in a proper time back in the past now. Yeah, that's how that's how it's always been. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's been so ingrained in us now that we don't, for the most part, doesn't bother people. It just, to me, it bothered me in Assassin's Creed because they already had an established kind of process of doing that, and they just did a complete 180 on that. Yeah. Um, so um, so here's a, a question for the group. I'm just kind of sure. curious about this now. And uh, even, Andrea, you said you don't play a lot of video games, but I, I'm still, I would love to hear. Um, so what is a video game franchise that you guys would like to see made into like a good movie like if you could if you could create if you could like wave your magic like Hermione Wand or whatever and create like a kick-ass really good movie based on a video game with like an A-list cast and everything like what game would you want to see made into a into a great movie that is a good question actually um oh uh, I already know Uh, because this was supposed to be done kind of this a long time ago, they were going to attach Tom Hardy to this, but I'm pretty sure it's not happening because it's been several years. Um, Splinter Cell, I think that'd be pretty awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah, they were going to have Tom Hardy play Sam Fisher, but that obviously hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah, I think that'd be pretty pretty badass. Uh, Tobias, what do you think? Um, I would love, and this is uh, has been rumored for quite some years, I think, uh, a Metal Gear movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. I'm a yeah. huge, huge, huge fan of the Metal Gear series. I've been playing it since I was a little kid, and uh, I played right every on. game over and over again. <laughs> but uh, yeah. what I'm afraid of is that I will screw it up so bad. <clears throat> yeah, because the Metal Gear series is very, very, very complex. I mean, the 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 creator. Um, fuck, I'm blanking on what's his name again. Kojima. The creator. Yeah, Hideo Kojima. Kojima is, to many, considered a kind of cinematic genius to video games because he's so he's he brought filmmaking techniques and standards that you normally see in movies into video games. And to me, I think a lot of that praise is well deserved, and a little bit a little bit of that is misplaced because some of his storytelling in the Metal Gear series are just kind of nonsensical. Some of it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They're just overly complicated for the sake of being complicated. Yeah, but then when you that. Yeah, but some parts are awesome too. Some parts are genuinely great because yeah. of how the scope of his story, and especially um, I haven't finished Phantom Pain. I actually have to beat that game, but I like the theme that he was going for Phantom Pain just from the name itself. Like the main character has lost an arm, and a lot of the major characters in this in this game are people who have lost something physically or metaphorically. You know, they. Uh, a guy who lost, the villain lost his face, completely burnt off, or a person who lost her voice, that sort of stuff. It's about, it's about what 
what war does to people when you when you lose something from that tragedy. So you know these, these are really smart things that you don't really see often in video games. So yeah, in a movie to be translated to a movie, I thought that'd be awesome. There was a rumor going on a long time ago that Christian Bale would play Saw Snake. I don't oh. know. That was cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I that like Christian strange. Bale. <laughs> Um, what do you think? She doesn't play video games. She's lame. Uh, oh, you know what, Eric? Shut up. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't play, but I've of the things I've seen people play, or the things I think I would be a cool idea, I think Bioshock could be. Good answer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bioshock, I didn't beat, I did not play the previous Bioshock games other than Infinite. I played Bioshock Infinite one summer. And that game was great. It, it had almost the same impact as Last of Us did to me. Like that game, the story is great. The the various social, like social political commentary it was tackling was great. Uh, the closest you get in the film version of that would be like Snowpiercer. Have you seen Snowpiercer, guys? Is that Snow- the one with um, Chris Evans on a train? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. That movie's crazy. It was nuts. It was yeah. It's a Korean-made film with with an international cast. Um, yeah, it was great it, because that that what that film to me was almost like it was. I got the same feeling I got watching that film as I did playing Bioshock Infinite. Is like a a a destroy like a really massive dystopian society based upon very extreme ideologies. Is kind of what they were going for. And at the very end, the the main protagonist you knew from the beginning that the protagonist is someone who's damaged, has a messed up past, but you didn't know how messed up until the very end, like what they had actually done at the very end. And it was, and when you find out, it makes you question everything that's happened up until that point. Very few films can do that, where the journey you're on, you think is pretty straightforward, and at the very end, you question everything that's happened up until that point. It's very rare when you can get that like sort of that level of smart, you know, writing into that. Yeah, because I think um, a Bioshock movie would be like a combination of that of Snowpiercer and Metropolis. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. Sounds I haven't cool. either fantastic older movie where it's god i don't know how old let me look this up actually but it is a very very similar to that futuristic dystopian society um and it has all of these it's from 1927 um and it has all of these combined styles of this kind of society where there's almost like aspects of of Roman architecture and Egyptian artwork, and it's just, it's one of those, like, visual feasts, and it's a, it's a silent movie. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I would love to see Bioshock done, especially have all of these, like, you know, crazy old-timey songs playing in the background while you're exploring these ruins. I don't, it'd be a really cool movie. You guys know, um, I've got, just to answer my own question, I've, I've got two. Uh, and the first one, you guys know Mira's Edge? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edge. I would love. I'm a, a big fan of, of that character, and I'm not any good at the game. The whole like first person uh, parkour thing. I, I am horrible at the game, but I would love to see a, a Mirror's Edge game. And the other one is the Devil May Cry series. Oh, right. if, if ever there was a game franchise that was literally perfectly set up to be like a cool action movie, it's it's find somebody good to play Dante. Get your special effects budget together. It doesn't even have to be like the deepest story ever. It could like just make a make a good popcorn film about Dante fighting demons and monsters and things. <laughs> yeah, that especially would be an insane take, movie. Uh, yeah, especially if you do like the sort of new school 
uh, Dante that they did. They uh, they did like a, a remake of that called DMC a few years back, where Dante was like this, like he had like short hair and like they 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 just kind of redesigned the character. But um, I enjoyed that game. I'd love to see a Devil May Cry movie. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, one movie, um, one game I've always wanted to be made into a movie. Have you guys ever played or heard of Spec Ops: The Line? Yeah, I played it. Heard, but I never played it. I, that game is incredible. Uh, I, I talk about Bioshock, even I talk about like a movie like Snowpiercer. This is very much you know like that. Spec Ops series has always been a tap military franchise game series. Like it's always been about like oh this is uh, about special forces in Vietnam or something like that or Gulf War. So when they made this game, they went a completely different route. It, it had some elements of that, but the game gameplay wise, it plays like a kind of a cookie cutter version of Gears of War. But the story in what ends up happening in the end is what draws you in for the most part. It's it's based on the uh, Heart of Darkness, but which is what a movie like Apocalypse Now is you know based on, and it's like it, it's insane. Like you, you play as a Delta Force team trying to rescue citizens in a in in a in Dubai, which is hit by a massive sandstorm, and the whole entire city is cut off, and um and you're searching for a lost U.S. Army battalion. And so the story goes from being a kind of a standard military shooter, like rescued, you know, we're the good guys rescuing the good guys, you know, to like uh, an entire like deconstruction of a military shooter genre as a whole. Like there are so many subtle things that make you rethink of how you play video games. Like so when you play a game like Call of Duty and you blow dudes up using like a, a drone, you don't think twice about it. You're just blowing people up. Well, in this game, you're given the control of a drone. You know there are bad guys there that who who had shot you earlier, and you but you blow them up, and then you go down to check out what you had just blown up. Turns out you blew a bunch of bunch of civilians alongside uh, soldiers who were actually fighting you because they thought you were there to attack them. And so it, it's like it makes you slowly question what you're doing here in the end, and um, stuff like that. Like the when you play when you play a video game and you see a loading screen and you see the little text that shows up. The text in the loading screen is like, "How many Americans did you kill today?" Something like that. Like it's something like it's really just like kind of makes you take a step back. Like, well, that's kind of I never really thought about that. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, stuff like that. And to to see that into a film, I think would be amazing. And in, if they were going to adapt it, instead of being a sort of deconstruction of a shooter genre, it'd be about deconstruction of say war films and just kind of war in general. I think that be would, would be the route it would go. But yeah, check out that game. It, it came out in like the 360 PS3 era stuff. I, I think it's worth playing once just just to experience the story. Yeah, I have to agree. But yeah, with that, uh, the gameplay mechanics is a bit uh, weird, but uh, the story is pretty great. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all these subtle things they manage to do to make you you know kind of question what you're doing. Yeah, and uh, as a whole. It, it 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 spits. It basically, the entire game spits at the idea of a kind of of, of a so-called war hero or being a classical sense of you know a hero. You think what you think what you're doing is good, but you're not actually there to do any good at all. Yeah, it makes um, it feel a, a bit horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anything else? Because I think Gary brought a great question there. Any other? I guess input. Any other video game? Um, Gears of War would be a cool one. What was that? I'm sorry. Gears of War. Gears of War. 
I actually heard they were doing oh. that a long time ago. I don't, I don't know what happened to that. Um, I yeah. would uh, I would say Injustice would be a cool movie, but being that they're pretty much doing that anyway with the the Batman v Superman movie, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah. Well, is that it? Uh, is that it, guys? Because um, if that's all we got, I think we can probably end it here. Uh, did we get all four of the things we wanted to talk about? Uh, I don't think we have time to tackle the Game of Thrones one at the moment. I actually got to be somewhere. Oh, okay. It's all good. Um, okay. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Um, so, yeah, this has been the Nubis podcast. Um, uh, this has been your host, Eric. I've been joined by Gary Mitchell and you can find him at, um, sorry. Yeah. What, what's your, what's your YouTube, uh, channel? <laughs> sure. Uh, I've got, uh, a YouTube channel that has, um, like Eric said, I'm a musician. So I've got, uh, music videos. I've got live shows that I've done. I actually, uh, I've got a couple videos up from, uh, uh, a show that I played in Tokyo, Japan. I was in Japan about two months ago, so I've got some uh, stuff up there. I've got some movie reviews, so just jump on YouTube, type in my name, Gary Mitchell, uh, and that should pop up. I've also got Twitter and uh, Facebook. Instagram is Gary Mitchell Music. Uh, so, yeah, uh, lots of cool stuff coming on the way. So thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And I've been joined by Andrea. You can find her at so uh, I do the weekly reviews of Game of Thrones for Anubist. Um I'm on Instagram at Gypsy Furiosa, and unlike Gary, I am not bragging about my travel plans because that's not cool. And I would like to visit Tokyo one day. <laughs> not yeah, not, I'm encouraging you. I'm trying to inspire you. Oh, thank you. That's different then. <laughs> and I and lastly, uh, Tobias, and you can find him at. Uh, well, I don't have any Twitter or YouTube or. Anything like that. Ah, fair uh, enough. You can find him at the Nubus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Find him at the Nubus. He's got some pretty solid articles out there. Um, yeah. This is a lot of fun. I think we covered a lot of cool stuff. And I uh, look forward to doing this hopefully next week. Hopefully more regularly than, I, than I've been doing recently. Um, thanks. Uh, try to catch us. You know, let us know what we, what you guys think. Uh, anyone, who, anyone who's listening. We have an email address... Uh, that will be posted on the link. I don't have it with me right now, but we'll be posted on the link. So any feedback, send it our way. All right, thanks. Bye.